Welcome to Japan according to Akio. Everything you wanted to know or didn't think you needed to know about Japan. With me, your host Akio, living in Japan since 2004 and giving you the lowdown on what it's like to live in and around Tokyo. Yo, 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 what is up? We have a whopper. We got a doozy for you this time. You can look at the time, you can tell it's a long podcast. It's going to be a really good episode. I tell the story of the Nova bankruptcy of 2007 before, give you a lot of context, a lot of different stuff. It's going to be good. So strap in. Before that though, let me tell you do me a favor, especially if you're watching this on YouTube um uh, or if you're listening to it as well. Just take a second if you, you know, before we get into this real I'm really excited about this episode. Take a second, like this podcast, like this video, subscribe to the channel, um leave a comment, do all this shit. You know, Rod, thank you. I appreciate you, you know, every time uh leaving a comment. You know, kudos to you. The rest of y'all motherfuckers, please do that. Like just help me out um on this one. If you get anything from this video and any entertainment, you're going to get you're going to get your money's worth this time. The price of admission is a like, is a comment, is a fucking subscription, okay? So do that and enjoy. Yo, what's going on, yo? What's going on, yo? We are here for a good one tonight. Uh, you can tell I'm in the mood to Talk some shit with y'all. Look what I got. I got this big ass wine cup. <laughs> It's such a wine glass of um you know, some of course some of Costco's finest red wine. Let me pull this a little closer to me. Come on, come on, fish this oh shit. Okay. Okay, there we go. There we go. Got to get comfortable for this. This episode is just straight story time. Um it's a little late at night. I was fucking around and watching Godzilla on TV. Uh not the old school ones, like the new one with Ken Watanabe. It um Yeah, uh, I was just taking a little second to chill after everyone went went to bed and it was on Japanese TV, like it's like a two-part two two week kind of thing. I'm hoping they play Godzilla Part 2 next week because I haven't seen that one. And so um Yeah, it was on TV and commercial breaks and shit. And then halfway through I'm like, "Well, I you know I need to take a bath and stuff like that." And I was like, "Why the fuck am I sitting through commercial breaks when I'm pretty sure this shit's on Netflix?" Which it was. So, I just turned it on Netflix. Um, took a bath, turned it on Netflix, and I was just watching for a little bit while I was setting up everything. But um this time again, nothing else. Uh Rod, the topic that I have for this episode I'm pushing back because I told I promised you guys I would tell the story of Nova's bankruptcy and um that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell this shit, pack up everything and go the fuck to sleep because I got to work tomorrow. <laughs> so, and I don't know how long it's going to tell take me to tell this shit cuz Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. Uh let me start in the beginning. So this um I mean nothing special is going to happen in Japan before I start this by the way. Um everything's just kind of plugging along. They're trying to get everything uh, they're trying to get everything started back up here, but you know, pretty sure it's similar to how it's going where you're at, you know. They they're trying, it's going to be second wave or they're going to shut shit down, blah blah blah. So whatever. Back to my story. Okay. So 
this, you know, this story starts 2004, right? Fuck, that's long ago. <laughs> gosh, I'm getting older. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so, mm. Don't worry, if I finish this, I got reinforcements sitting right next to me. I'm going to be drinking from the bottle if, if this story gets really long. <laughs> Just a warning, y'all. Like, this shit's not classy. <laughs> I'm here by myself, so. But just with y'all. So, um, I'm going to keep it real with you. At late at night, if the wine bottle's almost finished, I'm drinking from the fucking bottle. I'm not trying to pour and spill shit and spill shit on the carpet. I'm just going to drink it from the bottle. Just letting you know, okay? Don't be surprised if you see that. Mm. All right, so anyway, 2004, I come to Japan. Now, I come to Japan as a Nova teacher. And if you're not familiar with what Nova, sorry, let me adjust this. If, if you're not familiar with what Nova is or was, it's, um, it used to be at one point for a long time, it was the, the, the largest by far Japanese conversational Japanese school, Eikaiwa school here in Japan. If you're not familiar with what Eikaiwa is, it's a uh, conversational English. What that means is, is um, not really based on uh, grammar. It's not based on, you know, reading or textbook study at all. It's based strictly on output. And the reason why is it's this interesting little niche of um, Japanese uh, education because but the nature of the Japanese educational system, Japanese people are very proficient in English, actually. You know, they study English from when they're now, fuck, I think third grade they're starting or elementary school. Let's just say that. Um, and, you know, they, they, a Japanese person's grammar is probably better than yours. Understanding of grammar. Let me say that. Their understanding of grammar is probably better than yours, uh, even if you come here as a teacher. Um, because they study the shit, the, the structure, the components of English, making a sentence, all that. Although it's oversimplified and, and there are several mistakes to it, um, I, I have to correct all the time. Um, there, you know, that's how kids are educated here. The problem is because Japanese education is so one way, it's just strictly the teacher teaches, the students listen. Students go through school without an opportunity and life without an opportunity to actually use English. So you, what you have is, for example, people who are different phases of life, elementary, junior high, high school, university, adults, you know, who, even though they might be familiar with English, they might be able to read English, they can't speak English at all, right? And that's kind of <coughs> where... Um, conversational English study comes in where if someone actually needs to you know practically use their skill they need to study or brush up get confidence whatever they need to do for example to go abroad to have a, a job where they actually deal with foreign colleagues or give a presentation do sales move abroad like there's a wide handle incoming customers there's a wide variety of reasons just because they're fucking bored and they just want something to study there's a wide variety of reasons right uh, why my industry exists and, you know, um, I'm, my opinion, I'm one of the best at it. You know, I'm, I'm a damn good teacher. You know, I've been doing it for 16 years. I care about what I do. I'm very passionate about it. Now, um, when I was 16, not when I was 16, when I came to Japan in 2004, I wasn't. Not at all, right? You know, um, at that time, like most people at that time, I came to Japan um wanting to live here, you know, because I've probably told the story before because I, during university, I don't know if I told this full story here, but, 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 but I won't do the whole thing now, but 
um, during university, my university life, I really was not able to come here. I wanted to. I promised myself I would. Uh, and serendipity, you know, destiny, it was destiny, allowed me the opportunity, you know, provided me with the door to come to Japan, and I walked through it. So uh, Nova was the company that I chose to apply to and come to Japan. The reason why I chose Nova, and at the time there was a lot of message boards, you know, <laughs> not YouTube shit, there was message boards, you know, um, warning about the evils of Nova and Eikaiwa and blah, 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 blah. You'll hear me use Eikaiwa a lot. Again, Eikaiwa means conversational English uh, study. Mm. <clears throat> so... Um, or conversational English, let me say that. Yeah, but conversational English study. Um, so basically, like, uh, I applied to Nova, right? And one of the reasons was because it was the largest company at the time here in Japan. It was the fucking McDonald's of conversational English. And, like, I talked to my coworkers, younger coworkers as well. Someone who was not around before this company went bankrupt, you can't understand the scale of this fucking company like when i say mcdonald's i mean fucking mcdonald's like at its peak like just before it ended this company they were trying to get a thousand language schools in japan like they were at like 900 plus you know they almost got there before like it went crashed and burned but 900 something schools like pretty much at that time every train station in tokyo Pretty much every train station in Tokyo had a Nova school. Every major train station. And I mean, if you just look at a map, remember I told you, it's like, you know, spiders, snakes having sex from a helicopter. Like, you know, if you look at the amount, the sheer amount of train stations um, in the Tokyo area, it's fucking massive. And I'm pretty sure you, even if there weren't, wasn't one at every train station, at least you wouldn't have to go more than two stops to get to one wherever you are, right? You wouldn't have to ride five minutes to get wherever you are. And and the way that it was marketed was Ekimae uh, Ryugaku, I believe it was Ekimae Ryugaku, which means, uh, translates to um, study abroad in front of a train station. And that was the business model of the time. Like, you know, um, the train stations are kind of the hubs of society here, especially in the Tokyo area. So... Um, having, you know, in front of anything in front, right next to a train station is prime real estate. It's also fucking expensive as shit, right? So, and Nova had like huge signs, huge billboards, huge fucking schools right in front of every major train station throughout Tokyo. Like the shit was massive, right? Like, to give you some context, like, and, but you have to think, like, not only that, like, I was just going over it in my mind how I'm even trying to explain the infrastructure that this company had at the time. Like, to service that amount, and, you know, and we can just only deal with the Tokyo area. Then you have Osaka. Then you have smaller towns as well. Like, luckily, you know, I applied to Tokyo. I got into Yokohama, which is why, um, you know, I... um. I'm familiar with the, the area, the suburbs of Tokyo, but not only the major cities, but I'll just focus on the Tokyo area because that's kind of like the big tomato. Um, but, you know, um, even the Tokyo area alone, you have to think to service that amount of people. And also Osaka, they had like an online learning center, even like in the early 2000s, 
you know, way before fucking 4G, way before smartphones, way before Wi-Fi. Um, it was a fucking massive bulky ass, like, e- teleconference thing. It was, it was fucking horrible, right? Cause that you could plug into your TV. It was ridiculous, but they made it work. They somehow, I don't know, people bought the shit. Um, I mean, they were running TV ads all over the place. It was crazy. Now you have to think like, just, just think for a second to service that amount, that massive amount of business, massive amount of students, you need a massive amount of teachers, right? Now to have that, you need to have a massive infrastructure to facilitate a large influx of native English speakers from all over the world, pretty much, right? That's kind of what they did. So me personally, like I was recruited in Washington, D.C. And at the time, like Nova had, I think like in America, either two or three full-time designated recruitment centers in America, like, you know, one was in Boston. I think the other one was maybe in L.A. And there might have been another one in Chicago or something like that. I can't remember. I kind of just focused on the one in Boston. And, you know, I, on one weekend, they did a recruitment campaign or whatever what the fuck it was in Washington, D.C., like my hometown. So, like, they had a recruiter. They rented out, like, some fucking office space or whatever. And they just the dude just came down and was like, yo, you know, I want to come to Japan. Like, you know, I was just like, yeah. <laughs> and the shit was like, looking back on it now, you know, I'm, I'm, I remember that was the last time I rode the subway in Washington, D.C. I rode to go into that because I had my car and I just don't like riding the, the train. After I got a car, I was just like, man, fuck the train, especially in, in D.C. Because, I mean, it's a clean train system, but it's just not convenient. Like something that you can just somewhere you can pretty much somewhere you can drive in like 15 minutes is going to take you like 45 minutes to an hour to get to. Right. So well, fuck that. Right. I mean, that's, this is before Uber and everything like that. So. Mm. So, like, you know, I'm go I go to this massive I go to this recruitment center and I'll never forget I mean, in hindsight, pretty much all that was, they were just looking for warm bodies at that time, right? I'm not saying, and trust me, Japan, the landscape of teaching in Japan has changed like a motherfucker since then. This is, but so don't think my experience coming into Japan is the same experience you'll have coming into Japan. Totally different, okay? Just a completely different era. I'm an old head. You see, I got gray in my beard if you're watching this on YouTube. It's just a different age, right? But at that time, um, in hindsight, if I could tell myself something, they're just looking for warm bodies. Can you read? Did you graduate from university? You know, um, are you not fucking crazy? Okay, here's your ticket. You're coming to Japan. That's kind of what, what it what it actually was. You know, the interview was like a few minutes. <laughs> and I remember, I remember the one thing that stood out for me was like, I, I don't know if I've said this on this pl- um podcast, but like, you know, I'm like, this is a job interview, so I'm trying to just, like, nod. And the guy, the recruiter, he's like, so, what do you guys know about Japan? And this fucking girl raises her hand, and she's just, like, talks for, like, five minutes. The dumbest shit ever. And she's just like, yeah, you know, like, it's like Top Gun, you know. America is like Maverick and Japan is like Iceman. You know what I'm saying? And she just keeps going off. Like, and I was just like, 
like, you know, my jaw just dropped. I'm just like listening to her spew this crazy shit. I'm like, we're in a fucking job interview. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> and, but um, but I could imagine she probably got a chance to go to Japan at that time. Because, you know, to feed the beast of that amount of, of, of English teachers needed, you had to churn. They had to churn people out. So, you know, not from America, from Europe, from Australia, from New Zealand, um, pretty much were probably the main areas and probably some other countries that I'm probably missing. But again, Canada, of course, too. I think we're the majority of the, the, the big um, country, you know, England, of course, UK and stuff like that. Um, but again, they were looking for native English speakers. You had to come from a, a country that, that English was the, the um, main language. Uh, let me just again check. I got my new phone recording. So, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Sorry. It's hard to break the flow. So, um, you know, I go through the interview process. I, I get uh, into I get my ticket to Japan and I'm off here. But I just wanted to give you a, a glimpse of I won't walk through all the steps that I went through to come here. But that lets you know, you know, how massive it was. You have recruitment centers all over the world, you know, based all over the world whose sole job is to, you know, find recruit hire i mean they got paid off of incentives They're, the number of people they got coming into japan was how they got paid apparently um excuse me you know get you your visa get you on a plane make sure you got money saved up that was the thing they were like okay we, we expect you to have i think like fifteen hundred dollars or something i forgot how much they said um at the time like you could you could have um you know sign up sign you up make sure you, your documents are okay do you have they could offer you a loan through through nova right so i think your first month's paycheck or something like that you pay back in installments which kind of helped lock you in to working for them um you know because if you're poor you come to a new country and they, they also give you an apartment so if you got an apartment they give you a futon like <laughs> they, they provided you with like a furnished apartment and like a futon that you can sleep on, you know, um, that they got delivered to your house when you, when you, when you moved in. So you didn't need anything but like a suitcase and you could come to Japan with like an apartment, you know, from day one, um, and just a job and a visa, you know, was what it was. But if you, again, think back on the infrastructure you need, you need dedicated housing people you need dedicated moving people you need dedicated uh real estate people you need they had dedicated insurance people you know all these fucking subdivisions just to feed the amount you know of incoming students so it was just a massive amount of cash flow that this fucking company had like it was the game in town you know um and that came with a, with a lot of uh, hangups and stuff like that, which again I'm not going to get into right now. Questions for Keel uh, at gmail dot com. If you want to uh, ask me any other specific questions about this, before I f do anything, I got to keep remember reminding you guys. Please like, please subscribe, please comment, especially if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, you know, please subscribe to this video. Uh, it will uh, another video. This fucking channel. You know, um, it it. I know, like, if you don't say it, people won't do it. So, fucking do it, please. Okay. <laughs> I, I gotta just start saying it at the beginning of the fucking show. I'll try and remember to do it. But, um, okay, I'm almost 20 minutes deep into this story. I gotta fucking get it moving. All right, so... So, um, so yeah, like, this is just a massive amount of infrastructure maintained to, uh, for the sole purpose of feeding people into coming into Japan, right? So, um... 
it was really you can't like you can't imagine now what that does what that did for me i was thinking about before what that did for the japanese economy itself you know it, it, japan was very deflationary at that time until to, until 2012 when abenomics quote unquote if you're not familiar with abenomics a b e n o m i c s which was initiated in 2012. Um, I think it was 2000. Yeah, it was 2012. Um, fuck, eight years ago. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> but um, Google that. That was, you know, the central bank, uh, Prime Minister Abe's attempt to really propel Japan out of uh, deflation just by printing a bunch of fucking money, quantitative easing pretty much, um, for 20 years. And when I came to Japan, Japan was extremely deflationary. You know, prices went nowhere forever. Like, real estate was guaranteed to lose money. You know, I mean, but coming to Japan as a young person in my 20s with a lot of disposable income is fucking great, right? Because with no car, no nothing. Like, that's what I said. Like, coming to Japan... It's very easy in the be. It used to be. It's, it's becoming harder and harder. But it, it it's easy in the beginning, and it gets more challenging the longer you're here. Especially at that time, because like coming here, if you got nothing, you got a salary, you got a job. It was the most money I made in my life at that time. I was like, okay, fuck. I can actually save some money. And I can travel. And I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like great. You know, it was it was amazing. And that's what some, a lot of people at the time came here for. You know, some people they came for the visa. Like it was funny because. I remember, um, you know, because it's basically just guaranteed, you know, visas, travel visas. You want a one-year visa, a six-month visa, whatever, you got it. So even at my training, you know, after going in there, I think like one or two people just never showed up. Because after they got their visa, you know, because once you get your visa, if you don't take that loan from the company, if you think about it, you know, if you don't take that loan, I forgot how or why they, they hooked you in. But if you don't have your housing through them and you don't take your loan through them, um, which I think a lot, several Australian people didn't do that I know, um, then you're just free to do whatever the fuck you want. So during my training, there was like one or two people who just never showed up their first day at work. They were just they just got their visa and they just fucked off, basically. They either got another job or they probably just wanted to um, come into Japan and hang out for like a month or two months and enjoy life here. They probably had their own savings. You know, if you think about it, if you save a few thousand bucks, and you just you know you're young or I think you I think in Australia you can take like a um a gap year or something like that or they have to or something like some shit like that, but like you know and you got some money so you work for like six months you got a few thousand bucks together and you just want to like hang out enjoy Japan travel all over the country for like a month two maybe three, sign up, you know once you get your visa just fuck off and do whatever the fuck you want and just hang out you know for a couple months go surfing go to Okinawa like. You know, you can just live for cheap and just go backpacking through fucking Japan, you know. So that was also part of of the cost of doing business for them, because basically you just had like, a, of course, you had some people who were, you know, career Nova teachers, you know, quote unquote at the time, which was a career English teacher, which that's why I said in the previous episode that that job held much more status than it, than it does now. And the bankruptcy of Nova, I think, had a lot to do with that. Because it was seen as a stable job at that point. You know, you're working for a huge company. Um, salary increases were during each... You you were on an annual contract, but salary increases were pretty much guaranteed, um, you know, every year. Um, it might not seem that much, but, like, you know, I think it was, like, $100 or something, $150 salary increase every contract. But, you know, if you're working... 
I, again, I forgot. How, I, this is like 15 years ago. I forgot, you know, what it was like. But um, I know for people who were working there since like the 80s, for example, you know, you've been working at the same job for like 15, 20 years, getting like a steady salary increase every fucking year. You know, your salary starts looking pretty nice, you know, and especially if you're established here, you know what you're doing, you got a family. So for those kind of guys, there I, I ran across a few of those, I call them Nova lifers, you know, and someone in my early 20s, I'm like, you're in your 40s, you're still an English teacher. <laughs> and look at me now, I'm 38, I'm still an English teacher. <laughs> but no, I'm also an entrepreneur. Um, But, but still, like, mm. I would say a lot of those guys were on cruise control because they thought like, yo, I'm at Nova, I'll just do it, you know, keep getting salary increases and re fucking retire. Was their plan? Didn't really work out that well, <laughs> but you know, but you had a majority of I, th I would say people, young people in their twenties, just coming here because they wanted to live in Japan for a year or two, you know, um, enjoy a, a couple of years, enjoy their life here, and go back home and figure out what the fuck they wanted to do. That's what that was my plan, you know. Um, and like to like so they had to basically train you know since they had so much churn basically had to recruit you know it sounds like a bad word import you know um set up train to do the job and 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 keep track of thousands of english teachers coming into the country a month literally thousands maybe even ten, i don't i wouldn't say tens of thousands but literally thousands i'm sure of english teachers because they just shipped them all over the country like right like i told you I, I got picked up from the airport it was like a annual fucking it was like human trafficking like they <laughs> like the dude picked me up from the airport they're like okay you're kill come on this is the group all right we got everyone took me somewhere handed me off to my manager he took me to my apartment handed me off to my roommate and then it was like okay this is your room here's your futon it arrived today good night you know like and then i had to do some shit like go to orientation it was fucking crazy it was like really i mean you know the whirlwind of that thing because it's such a set system was you can't even understand like i'm in this country i don't know what the fuck is going on i'm jet lagged like you know, i'm far from home i just said goodbye to my family i'm on the other side of the world i'm just like these people are taking me places like you know handing me off i don't know where the fuck i am i don't know what the fuck is going on it was fucking crazy and um you know um so so you know they had this huge headquarters and like this huge tower in in um shinjuku like it was just money you know being circulated in this place right now uh that gives you some type of idea about you know the scale of this company right of, of what it was at when it, when it was at its peak right you know thousands of students like um, it was just crazy now uh i believe his name was saluhashi because his, his monkey his name translates to monkey bridge was the founder and ceo of the company he you could probably find some old information about him but basically like i never met the dude i never saw him but you know he was doing some shady dealings you know and apparently and you know he had like an office with like a private entertainment room probably having orgies and shit in there i don't i don't know there's all types of rumors you know after the bankruptcy but but pretty much like you know he just was the king of the fucking castle now what started uh where, where, 
Okay, okay, I did that. What's now? Okay, before before I get into that, like what I wanted to say was, um, before I get into the downfall of this company, I wanted to talk about the um, economic impact of having this massive amount of English teachers here because I think personally, I was thinking about it today that this was actually highly inflationary for the uh, healthy for the Japanese economy, right? At that time, you got to think, even though the general economy was deflationary, Japanese people didn't really spend money, Japanese people saved money, things like that. They were the people using money for English lessons were actually inadvertently stimulating the Japanese economy. Why? Because you had um, on a macroeconomic kind of level, you had tons of of course, not everyone, but you had a significant, I'll say a significant number of young foreign people with a lot of disposable income who really were not, you know, savvy, <laughs> financially savvy. It's like, it, honestly, it was like an extension of college. That's what it was like in my mid early to mid 20s. I was just living the college it was like Disneyland. I was living the college life here. Right. Um, and you just got a job you go to, you got money and then you go out and you know you're clubbing you're traveling things like that but that's actually circulating money in the economy so areas like Rapungi and shibuya and restaurants and nightclubs and bars and you know um small towns and hot springs and, and, and car rental agencies people are using that money everywhere so it's actually helping out the economy it was helping out the economy quite a bit and it was kind of clear to see after the bankruptcy and after the earthquake um in 2011 the impact and i think that's continuing now until in the rapungi area but of course also the glo the recession that was kind of the three hits that kind of hit japan it was the nova bankruptcy the recession the lehman shock as we call it here in japan and the earthquake were kind of three in now the corona situation i think is going to be probably a knockout blow for a lot of industries especially uh, clubs and nightlife spots and things like that but before 2007 man shit was rolling like every weekend there were just hundreds of english teachers think about just english teachers you know all over japan like you know all over the nightlife spots with just money and shit nothing to do so just going all crazy like you know it was fucking fucking crazy like i can't even describe it to you it really was like a a really you know fun time to be alive and a fun time to experience you know this 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 interesting thing that we call japan like I can't really put it into words, you know, it was just a, a lot of fun, a lot of friends, a lot of fucking alcohol, a lot of just craziness, you know, um, but, but, you know, be, so again, I'm trying to paint this picture of what this thing was right now, what happened, I, I think I've, I've kind of done, I think I've kind of done an adequate job of that. Now, what, what happened was in early 2007, um, I caught wind of a court case or something like that against Nova. I really didn't, you know, it was something that wasn't really talked about at the time. I was what, 20, 25, I think. And this was like my first, this is actually, this bankruptcy was my first probably experience of what is this? being completely devastated <laughs> in my life at that time, I think, um, 
as an adult, let me say that, right? Of course, like growing up, I had some, sh- you know, some run-in, some shit um, that, I, of course, I won't get into on this platform. But, you know, growing pains, if you will. But that was like, as an adult, my first time getting punched in the fucking mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like, by life. It, that's that's probably a better way of describing it. Life fucking just lined me up and fucking stole me in the jaw. Basically. <laughs> basically. And so... um. Like, what happened was in spring, like I said, at that time, because I, I was like, you know, teaching for, it was like 2007, I was teaching for about three years, and I was like, okay, uh, let me be a manager of a school, which which sounds a lot better than it is. You're just a fucking middle manager. You, you don't really have any, whatever, okay. Um, but, you know, I was like, hey, let me try, you know, I had a steady girlfriend, I was like, let me try and do something i was getting a little antsy with just being a regular teacher the grind the daily grind of of being a teacher um five days a week so i was you know like mid-20s like what am i going to do with my life what happens when i want to go back to america i gotta have something to show for it let me become a manager maybe it'll be look good on my resume you know (laughs) you know so i was managing a school uh, a nova school and i heard a whiff of like some kind of court case a few students talked to me about it and um that nova had to give refunds to some students or something like that now from my memory what happened was um I think the accounting system or payment system or something like that of Nova was deemed unfair by some court. Again, I don't even remember or I don't even think I need. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't remember the details of exactly what happened because it was just so long ago. But pretty much through a court case, a, um, a, basically something about the contracts in Nova was deemed unfair so the court basically said that people who wanted a refund from nova could get apply and get one right now this is this is actually what brought the company to its knees because you have this massive behemoth company by the way which i forgot to mention like all this real estate shit all this insurance shit all this stuff, they weren't doing this for their for their health, by the way. They were getting a piece out of everything. Like, if I remember correctly, I think I talked about it before, my rent with Nova, I, with the, I was only with them for a few months because they closed my apartment contract a few months after I came here, which is, you know, through serendipity, how I met my wife. But um, basically, uh, I, I think the couple months I was there, either eight in just in dollar terms 800 or 900 dollars a month i want to say I, I can't remember exactly which one maybe i want to lean towards eight but even if it was eight eight hundred a month right uh, and it was just like a flat thing um plus maybe five thousand yen fifty dollars utilities some something like that right flat fee like when all my other roommates moved out i was just I was a fucking idiot. Like, I was just like, you know, I'm paying for electricity, you know, and all the utilities. Fuck it. I want my apartment to be warm when I come back. So, like, I left all the doors open, turned on the, all the air conditioners all day long just so that I, when I came back from work, I can walk into, like, a warm apartment. Like, I was such had an American thinking. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed to say that. But, like, the last few weeks I was there, I just did that, like, every day. Like, yo, it was, it was November. I was like, yo, I'm kind of cold. Like, 
I don't want to walk into a cold apartment. So I just leave the lights on, leave all the air conditioners on. like just have the heat bumping all day just so that I can come back. Ah, this is nice. Like I wouldn't have to go turn, I don't know, whatever. But, okay, so the how the apartments worked, it was like a 3DK, you know, which is like a three, not like a nice one, a three-bedroom apartment, basically. And that was furnished with kind of used furniture and a varying quality. My first one was actually good quality, I would say, but I heard some horror stories, you know, so you're just living basically in the dorm room. But the apartments probably that, that I was living in, looking at it now probably i would say cost about the location no more than 1500 give or take 600 let's say 1600 a month right but every month you know they got like maximum of three people living there so you know if you if you max that out that's like 2400 per month so even if you got two people in there you're breaking even, you know, and you put a third one in there, you're making a profit off these people and giving people a loan, of course, a zero interest loan, which sounds good, but you're kind of locked in to, to work there. So pretty much like, you know, you're, they're making money off of the apartment that you're living in there that you, you know, they're, that you're paying to them. You're, you're paying, um, they're making money from you for, um, working because your hourly salary is a lot lower than what they're charging and making per lesson <coughs> i won't get into the numbers of that but but you know it is a huge difference but of course they have to pay for again rent in front of the station advertising tv commercials like you know it, like that's why i say i love teaching english in japan i fucking hate the industry i hate it like uh, uh there's Excuse me. And part of my my number one mission is to crush it and reform it into what I want it to be. I mean, like because it's it, it, that's one of the things where I realized I wanted to go the path of entrepreneurship, like online based stuff, not opening a language school. Because at the end of the day, man, if you have a language school in Japan, your goal is not to educate people. Your goal is to make sales. And of course, like everyone needs to make money, but it just turns into a lot of smoke and mirrors i i think and that's part that's part of the problem with people's language ability in japan everyone's selling people dreams and nobody is just being straight up with people and telling them the information that they need to get you know and if you do that and democratize that then you know like actually it raises the whole company country up as a whole so that's that's kind of what i'm doing like i'm I'm like a, just a fucking in a kaiwa vigilante right now and i'm just trying to build my rep because you know i realize like no matter how big my products are um my how good my products are i don't have the brand i don't have that name so no one believes me because there's so much bullshit out there so i basically gotta make my name by putting out good shit in the streets like how i have done as an individual, like, you know, I'm a very popular teacher because of the quality of my lessons, both privately and in English schools. Like, I, you know, I, I fucking work, you know, uh, I put in the work, like, you know, I've put several years as a, as a freelance teacher, like, you know, day in and day out, putting in work. And, um, 
just understanding Japanese people, understanding language, understanding the culture, understanding how to communicate information and, and stuff like that is kind of a, a delicate skill. And I say, I'm not like the best teacher because I'm the best teacher in Japan, but I think I'm the best teacher because I have like a combination of several skills that not a lot of teachers have. Like they might have several of them, but they don't have all of them. And I say like, I'm probably one, if not in my mind, the only, in my mind, sorry, the only one who has a combination of all those skills. So, sorry, a little sidebar. I had to talk my shit for a second. <laughs> anyway. Mm. But yeah, like, you know, um, that's that's kind of why, like, um, I, I really want to, for, for students, for teachers, for everyone, I think, like, you know, that's, that's kind of the mission that, that I'm on, you know, um, until I hit the top. That's why I'm keeping my dreams alive, you know, keeping my dreams alive. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, anyway, let me, but I digress. Okay. So, um, oh yeah, the wine bottle's coming out. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Wine Bottle. We do to do to do Costco's finest again. Costco holler at me for fucking endorsement. They don't want to endorse this shit. <laughs> Who am I kidding? <laughs> Nobody wants to endorse this shit. <laughs> okay. But, um, all right, let me move this out of the way. This out of the way. All right, so so back to the timeline of, of Nova's bankruptcy, right? So, like I said, um, you know, because of that court case, Nova was uh, basically pushed to give people um, refunds who wanted one. But now you would think at the time, like I was like, okay, give refunds, whatever, it's not a big deal. And it was kind of like a hush hush kind of thing, you know. Nobody really wanted to talk about that shit, uh, or the my. You know, upper people, whatever, didn't really want to talk about it. Students kind of whispered about it a little bit. But you got to understand also Japan is very much on reputation. So because um, there was some negative press about, it's like a one-two combination, because there was some negative press about Nova not being straight up with their students, that affected, you know, people, remember, the wall of pillows, Japanese people are not going to go against directly, but people going to sit on the sidelines. So you might, they, even if you think, I don't know how much, but let's say like a 15, 20% drop in sales, even let's say 30% drop in sales, business terms, right? Your sales are down from those sales. You also have to give back money, right? Then you're talking negative cash flow. And what, what we found out later on was that, you know, Nova didn't have any escrow. So they, as you know, they were doing package deals with students. So it's like, okay, you pay for like a hundred lessons over three years, but that cash flow that comes in, they were just burning that shit. Like it was no tomorrow. There was nothing saved away. There was nothing put in escrow, and which is something that that's good that came out of the situation. Now my current company, and I, I'm guessing that's how the business model changed because of this bankruptcy. Um, companies, I'll just say the company I work for in particular, uh, which is one of the largest kind of English schools that exists now, um, which is nothing compared to what Nova was, by the way. Um, you know, they set everything up as in escrow. So once a contract comes in, that money is put in an escrow account and is not touched until the student actually books a lesson, takes a lesson. After the student takes the lesson, the amount from that lesson is taken out and then, uh, get, you know, given to the company that the company can use. So so if the, uh, then they did that, you know, to kind of ease people's um uh, 
insecurities about the Nova situation. So me hearing that when I was in training, I was like, okay, that's good. I can kind of not trust this company, but like trust this company won't fuck me <laughs> basically. And just like pop up bankrupt one day. Um, drinking from the bottle, super classy. Actually, is actually normally I don't drink from the bottle where there's this much left in it, but I just don't feel like pouring a glass, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm just being straight up with y'all. This is me. I drink from the bottle when I'm alone. <laughs> okay. Um. So anyway, um, what 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 am I talking about? Oh yeah. So so just to set that up, right? This these are kind of like yeah reductions in sales plus I, I mean i don't know how what percentage of students want to refund but you know it just opens the door anyone who's like not making progress in their lessons who's not taking their lessons you know whatever that's an excuse just to get their money back so this happened let's say like april 2007 by like end of summer early fall you started getting the rumblings of money trouble going on in the country in the company now i was a manager and, and but i also had a friend who lived who was in india working for the government um uh the state department at that time and uh luckily you know uh she you know we, we were way cool from way back in the day and um she was leaving india uh that december and so i was like like before this became heated up, I was like, you know, telling uh, my wife, my girlfriend, like, oh, I'm going to go to India because I don't know if I'll ever have a chance to go to India again, you know, to visit and, and have a place to stay. So, you know, um, so, you know, I think I got like a malaria shot, <laughs> went to the doctor, got a malaria shot and I booked my flight to India. Now, what happened was this uh, yeah, I think like August, September, I booked my flight for October, put in my vacation time. I'm a manager. When I knew the shit was going to hit the fan was, I think for September, I believe, Nova basically put out the word to all the managers that, you know, this is when the, the cash flow issues were kind of really starting to heat up. Like, yo, we're not going to be able to pay the managers on time this year month you know i think it was like september and um it's like your pay is going to be delayed maybe a week or or i think about a week or something like that that's when i knew like the the, sh the shit was over i was like okay it's over the company's gonna go bankrupt because you gotta think like the number of managers compared to the number of teachers is like psh, nothing right now i was in not a big school but like i think there were like 20 something teachers 20 teachers and me. So if you don't have the money to pay, you know, dudes like me, you the next month you're going to have to pay 20 times that amount. You don't got it. Like, which means it's game over. You know, so I was like, all right, well, fuck, this company's going bankrupt. And so I was like, man, fuck it. I'm just going to India. Like, you know, I was just like, I'm just going there. Um, just I booked my flight already, whatever, whatever, whatever. So when when literally while I was in India, the company officially filed for bankruptcy. And so I was just like, fuck it. They filed for bankruptcy. And I was just like in India enjoying New Delhi, Jaipur, the fucking Taj Mahal, um, you know, Agra, like well, Agra, Taj Mahal's in Agra. Um, but, you know, just really 
enjoying the time and then i was like fuck it i'll deal with it when i come back there and when i came back oh lord all hell was breaking loose oh my gosh like (laughs) because you gotta think like there was just a bunch of irresponsible motherfuckers and i mean mm, i'm talking like like you gotta think like and and this is another thing i gotta tell you about the this is the situation when i was there like at that time like because the bar was so low for and there was such a large amount of people coming into japan you also brought in the fucking riffraff right and like you know i mean i remember watching uh i'm not even gonna search for it like a youtube thing about teaching in japan i think a couple of years ago it was like some dude talking about his his um somebody he was going out with and like another English teacher brought his date and this dude was like in his thirties and his date was like 16 years old. And, you know, even, I mean, I'm not saying there was a bunch of like pedophilia going on at the time. I'm not saying it was rampant, but if you got to think like, you know, people who were not all on the up and up were also coming into Japan. Right. And especially at that time, foreign people were a lot more uh, sought after because they were a lot more of a, exclusivity you know it was like a sensei kind of thing so um for example i I was debating whether i should tell this but i'll fuck it it's the truth i'll tell it like my and it's not about me don't worry but like my first roommate like was an interesting character like so okay this dude like i come to i told you the story me coming to japan and and um, you know, I get off, I get off the train. My manager walks me to the door and he's like, okay, he doesn't even walk me to the door. He just walks me to like the apartment and he's like, all right, good luck. So I, I, I we hit the bell actually. And I'm just like fucking jet lagged and delirious. And he's like, all right, good luck. And I thought, well, you're not going to go with me, whatever. So I go in my roommate and for first now, if I read, if I've told this story before, my bad. And like, you know, I'm fucking delirious and um, because I've just been, um, you know, almost like in transit for like literally almost 24 hours. Right. And um, not knowing what the fuck is going on. And I I had like a lot of crazy experiences on my flight, by the way, which I won't get into right now. um, If I haven't told you this story before, Um, basically a dude almost died in front of me on the airplane. (laughs) Okay, fine. I'll tell you the story. Okay, okay. Basically, a dude. If I haven't told this before, like I think I have told this before, but I'll tell it again. A dude almost fucking died in front of me on my way to Japan because, like, um, I was like in front of the I I was in front of like the jump seat, which is like where the stewardess sits, you know, just so I can get a little bit extra extra leg room before they charge you for that. You know, you I just asked for it, and they were like, okay. And like, I'm on the plane, I'm chilling. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm going to, I'm on, I'm on the airplane. That was the biggest thing for me. I'm like, I'm the type of person, once I cross the threshold, take the first step, I'm fine. You know, so the hardest thing for me to do was actually get on the plane. You know, say my dad drove me to the airport. I said, bye to my dad. See you in a year. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And, um, um, I get on the airplane, you know, I'm like, okay, the door's closed. I'm like, fine. I'm on the airplane now. I can't, there's nothing I can do, right? I have to go to Japan because I'm I'm on this airplane. I can't go back anymore, right? So I'm on the point of no return. I'm settling into 
you know, my conviction that I'm on that I'm going on the other side of the world, not knowing what the, what the fuck is gonna happen. And I'm trying to get my thoughts together and shit. And then after we eat, like this dude, uh, I think he was Chinese. Um, he's going to the bathroom, and he just collapses like right in the aisle, like right next to me, and I'm just like. Oh shit! Like you know, I'm just like in shock. Like, are you serious right now? And you know, so everyone's like, "Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Oh fuck!" And I'm just like glued to my seat because I'm just like, it's like a movie time. I'm just like, "What the fuck?" And like, so the person next to me gets up, you know. Um, and I mean, normally I'm the type of person who would jump in and help in this type of situation, but I was just literally like, "Are you fucking serious?" Like, this is the last thing I need right now. I'm trying to move to Japan, and I'm trying to get my shit together. And this motherfucker's, like, collapsing right in front of me. What the fuck? Like, I'm like, this is just the most ironic shit ever, like, happening to me right now. It's kind of all that was going in across my mind. So they prop the guy up, and they put him in the stewardess's jump seat. Well, if you know, like, the stewardess sits directly facing you. So, like, I think I have told this story in the podcast. My bad. So, like, I'm, like, literally, like, face to face with this person and this dude is like looking like if, if you're if you're not seeing it on audio like yeah go to youtube and, and watch it but he's just like looking dead just like oh, a fish out of water and i'm just like watching this dude's fucking corpse like you know stare me in the face like and i'm just like are you fucking kidding me, man? Come on. Like, I'm trying to move to Japan. <laughs> I'm like, we're in the air. We've been in the air for a couple of hours. Like, we know I got to look at this corpse for like six hours on my way to Japan. Come on. What the fuck? So, so, <laughs> so like, you know, the stewardess is like, is there a doctor? Is there a doctor anywhere? Like, you know, I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me right now? You know, and <laughs> I'm just like sitting there, just holding my armrest, just like looking at this dude, like, are you fucking kidding me? And you know, people rushing over, it's just like a TV show. It's like, this cannot be really happening to me. And you know, <laughs> and I remember like, it was, um, a few people came over and this person's like, I'm a doctor. <laughs> and so he rushes over. And I guess he was like, a doctor of Chinese medicine or something. So like, um, he, <laughs> he like had this gold globe on like a chain or something. <laughs> I'll never forget what this thing looked like. It's like a little gold globe, small gold globe on like a chain. And so he like put it in front of the guy's head and he like spun it, you know, and he's like spinning it and looking at the guy and, he, and then he puts his hand on his chest like, Mm, he's okay <laughs> and then <laughs> me too everyone just stopped looked at the guy the steward just looked at the guy and was like okay is there a doctor on the plane <laughs> <laughs> but like he might have did something because like I want to say, I don't know how long it was. This is a while ago, maybe like 30 seconds after he did that shit. And she's like looking around for a doctor, the guy who for, I don't know, several minutes, not breathing, eyes wide open, looking like a fucking dead body. Just suddenly like, 
uh, just coughed up like something black. I guess it was wine or steak. We had steak, I think. Just uh, coughed it up, threw up some of that shit, and just snapped back into it. And he was just like, boof, back from the dead. And it was just like, it was like fucking flatliners or something. It was crazy. And, and he was just like, oh, okay, I'm fine. And it was like, yo, chill the fuck out. Just don't move. And he was like, oh, I'm good. And a few minutes later, he went back to his seat. And like, the stewardess came came over. I felt, then I felt like a fucking scumbag because like the stewardess came over the guy next to me who was like a superhero. I'm on the aisle, by the way. Like the guy had to like get me out of the way because I'm just sitting there just like looking at the show, just like, what the fuck? She's like, hey, thank you so much. Do you want like a coupon? We'll give you something for, for that. And then she just gives me the dirtiest look like, you useless motherfucker. <laughs> Cause I, I did not move a muscle the whole time this whole shit happened. I was just like, but I'm just trying to get to fucking Tokyo. Come on, man. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, but, but whatever. Like, so, so anyway, so after dealing with all of that, I arrive at my apartment and my, <laughs> my, my roommate he, you know, I'm like delirious because I'm just like been through the fucking ringer. And um, he's like, hey, welcome to the spot. You know, it, there wasn't another person living there. Uh, like the next roommate was going to come, I think, like a week and a half after a week, two weeks after. So it was just me and him there. And so he's like, hey, man, you know, put your stuff down, get comfortable. Him and his girlfriend at the time, her his girlfriend were there. Or I think he said his fiance. I think she, she was his fiance. Of course, like, I'm not, I remember she was kind of in, how do I explain this? At the time, you know, the basic level of cuteness in Japan is very high. Like, okay, shit, okay, I might get myself into trouble. I'm sorry if, if, if I offend anyone, but for me, this is the truth. And for as from a guy's perspective, the basic level of attractiveness in Japan is very high. The average attractiveness you're going to find here is high. Right. The way I describe it is like in Japan, there's a lot of, ooh, okay. You know, there's a lot of that, but there's not as much, wow. You know, there's not as much, oh shit. And there's not as much, wow. You know, you're not seeing like stunningly beautiful, as many stunningly beautiful women. And you're not going to see as many like, oh shit, like, what happened to you? Kind of women. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest, ladies. You know, um, but you, you have, so you have a solid consistency of, okay, yeah, you know, and so it, it can be kind of like a guy's playground because of that. Like, you know, you're getting good numbers every, you're getting a lot of sevens, a lot of eights, you know, some nines, you know, depending on what your type is, but definitely a lot of solid sevens and eights are going to be there, you know? Um, and, um, so, you know, at the time, you know, I really was, didn't see a lot of Japanese women. So she was like pretty, you know, um, but I'm not going to stare at her cause I met this guy like five minutes ago and I'm fucking delirious. And so he pulls out like a, um, a carton. He has a carton of sake. He's like, this sake is good. Let's drink some. So I'm talking about time and space. I'm like, space, time doesn't exist because we're, we're in the future right now in America. It's 12 hours in the past. This is crazy. And he's like, yeah, okay, just fucking drink with me, you know? And so, um, yeah, so I drink with this guy, and I, go, I fucking pass out eventually, uh, you know, and um, I was like, okay, he's cool. The next morning, I wake up, 
you know, he's already gone to work or I think he's gone. To, he's not gone to work or he's about to. I forgot. I forgot. Right. But maybe, no, no, because I remember why he hadn't gone to work. He was still in his bedroom. But I walk out. I open my sliding door and I see in the kitchen. It's like a fucking movie. A girl, not a woman, a girl. The night before she was in her jeans, a little white kind of, you know, shirt i remember a little low cut kind of thing i'm you know told you got a couple glances but <laughs> but i see in the morning i thought it was someone completely different i was like who the fuck are you it was a girl in a fucking high school uniform making a goddamn bento in my, making a lunchbox in my goddamn fucking kitchen and i was like what the fuck is going on so hmm. it is after this I find out that my roommate, who is about 30, is dating a 17-year-old high school girl. And she's his fiance, right? I'm like, is this what Japan is? By the way, this is not what Japan is. Again, this is that, I found out very clearly this is not what Japan is all about. I just wanted to make that clear. But this is kind of, you know, what I was walking into. And it, that lets you know, like, you know. The doors were wide open, basically. So, um, so yeah, basically this dude was, um, he, he, he informed me what happened was, um, you know, he, I mean, it's fucking disgusting, but basically he, you know, this girl, when she was 15, she was one of his students. He'd never kissed a boy, never done anything. And he preyed upon her basically. And, um, you know, he had his system for getting women who, who were students. A lot, several guys did, you know. Um, there was also that type where, you know, for me personally, I think that's like a weak move, especially being an English teacher here, because as a teacher, it's like being a psychologist or a boss. You're in a position of power, so it's a lot easier to, you know, be seen as attractive to someone. Um, but guys at the time used that, milk that, especially if they weren't getting any love and they didn't have any game getting any love in their home country. You know, being a foreign guy, um, you know, and being an English teacher for your students were prime game. And there were some people, some housewives, some women who came wanting that experience as well. So, it, but, but this dude, you know, he, I mean, he was a nice guy to me, but that side of him was like, yeah. I mean, he would talk about it and justify it, but you just like, you're his roommate, so you don't want to like make waves about it, but just like, okay, you know, I'm 22 at the time, like, yeah, she's like 17, eight, uh, maybe 17, 18, I can't remember, but I'm like, for me, that's, if she's 18, that's kind of borderline, but you're 30, dude, like, you met him when she's 15, you know, you just got to listen to him, you, you know, because you know, he's like the OG at that time, but whatever, whatever. So basically, um, he, yeah, met her um, when she was 15 in her school, in the school, local school, Nova School, which is, again, nearby. And, you know, he 
fandangled her or whatever and became her boyfriend and then you know he he was he had his whole justifications for it and all this other crazy shit but like you know whatever i won't get deep into this guy's history just because but you know again i don't want to like creep you everyone out you know and, and give you the impression that everyone who was in japan at that time was like that there were definitely different categories of scumbags i was gonna say that they were like the sleeping with the students scumbags the praying on young girls scumbags the fucking housewives scumbags the fucking staff scumbags the fucking you know multiple students scumbags the can't manage their money scumbags you know there's just a bunch of them you know um alcoholic scumbags like it was just just take your pick right but but again not everyone was like that but there again there was a a larger percent pr- proportion of those kind of scumbags here, <laughs> here at that time. Um, and basically, um, what long story short, with, with this guy, what happened was, was uh, he ended up moving. I won't, I won't say why, cause I won't give too much information about this dude, uh, just in case he's listening, <laughs> but basically <laughs> if you listen, I'm sorry. Hey, you did it. <laughs> this is your life i'm just telling it you know but basically he moved he was from america he he, when she graduated high school he wanted to marry her and move back to america to pursue his other educational dreams or whatever so they moved back to america together because basically he moved to america with her and then he came back a few years later and and one time i met him you know he messaged me like hey i'm coming back to japan let's meet up and i was like okay you know and um Basically, he was like, yeah, we moved back to America. She was like 19 at the time. And, you know, she was doing going to school or something like that. He was trying to go to school or something like that. And, of course, of course, like, she's, she starts cheating on him like a bunch with a bunch of guys and going all crazy. And I'm like, and, you know, they just she broke up or whatever. But I'm like, she's fucking 19. And if you think about it, again, take my rule. This is part of where my my five to seven year rule comes from. If you think about it, she's 19, 18, 19. She's been with this dude since she was 15. Minus, let's say, five years. She has the mentality of a 10-year-old when she meets him, you know, and he's basically molesting her, you know. Um, and don't worry, he was like, yeah, her parents know and all this shit. It was, fucking crazy but by the way my wife uh, you know when i was starting to think like holy shit like this is what japan's about and after me and my wife started dating she was like yeah your roommate's that guy that creepy guy with the fucking high school girl in the back of his bicycle and apparently in the area where you know because we lived near each other like she was like yeah everyone knows about that guy everyone's fucking disgusted by him basically basically you know but he had no shame in it he was just like yeah fuck it what are you gonna do um yeah fuck like anyway um anyway what was i saying oh yeah so what happened with you know he he got his comeuppance because he took her back to america and she was just cheating on him left and right and for me of like of course she's 19 you're the only guy she's ever dated you're a fucking 30 year old dude in japan you might be the cool ikemen like you know stylish english teacher but when you take her back to america where she's going to get male attention. Guys are going to be hitting on her for the first time ever, saying she's pretty, telling her she's cute, trying to get her number day in and day out of who are her age, who probably look better than you. 
what the fuck do you think is going to happen? You think you, she's just going to ignore all that shit and marry you because she's making you fucking lunch boxes in her high school uniform in, in fucking Tokyo? Get the fuck out of here. You know, like, whatever. Like, I didn't say that to him, but I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, whatever. You know, um, mm. so Karma bit him back in the ass. He ended up back in Japan for a while and then fucked off somewhere. I don't know. So I don't know. But, but you know, at least for me, that story has somewhat of a satisfying ending. But anyway, ooh, I'm getting completely sidetracked. It's getting kind of late. So let, let me kind of conclude. the. But I'm, I'm happy I'm kind of giving the full picture of this time in Japan's history. Right? Or, yeah, in Japan's history, as at least how, how it relates to foreign people. So um, in the story, yeah, um, you know, you had all this shit going on in, you know, when after Nova went bankrupt, you had all these teachers who basically, you know, I, I had money saved up at the time. I had quite a bit of money saved up. I, I you know, I'd been here for a while. I kind of stabilized my life a bit. I was, yeah, I had like a term deposit account, like saving money. Um, so I was okay, but there were, you know, hundreds thousands of people who had been in japan, who i have no i had no sympathy for i'm like yo if you just came to japan and the company goes bankrupt that's fine but if you've been in japan for one two three four years and you're literally like i heard stories of people who literally had zero money in their bank account fucking went out drinking on payday and then at midnight one of them went to the ATM machine to take out the the money to pay the fucking bill, you're a fucking loser. I'm sorry. Like, you're a loser, and you deserve everything that you get. You know, this is not fucking high school. This is not college. You're a fucking adult, man. Like, you should have enough self-control to be able to practice delayed gratification enough to at least that's why I said that's why I that's why I was telling you a few episodes ago save some fucking money when you come to Japan as much as possible because you don't want to be on the skin of your teeth and you you don't know what the fuck can happen here like look at this corona situation you know you don't know what can happen like things change an earthquake can happen like she can change at the drop of a dime and you want to have at least some type of money where you need to hop on the plane you need to survive for a while because there were fucking english teachers like you know oh my god like two days after the company went bankrupt like what am i gonna do i don't have any money i don't i can't eat like i'll teach you english in the park for a bento there were teachers teaching english in the park for fucking bento boxes like a week after the company went bankrupt like what are you doing what have you been doing with your life if you've you know like it's just like i told you like it you know fucking whatever whatever like i was just like reading this shit like no but that's what i said nobody cares this is not your country nobody this is this is part of the reason why i'm i kind of take this type of kind of hard stance where i'm like yo when you live in this country, you got to get your shit together, man. You can get lulled to sleep by the false sense of security of this country, but your life is your responsibility here. And you got to, like, to the best of your abilities, like, prepare for whatever, you know, thing could happen. So, but, um, but yeah, so, so after that, there were a bunch, it was just nonstop 
online crying, whinging, complaining, fucking anger from different English teachers. You know, and then a, a lot of them, of course, went back to their home countries. And the country, and excuse me, basically, I was like out of a job. I was, I forgot, was that paid or unpaid? I think I was unpaid because the country company went um through bankruptcy for I think two months, which was the fucking crappiest two months of my life i'm not gonna lie like because mm. i was just like i'm in this country what the fuck am i doing with my life like you know and i think um the country the company was um uh bought out and went through restructuring and then the company and i think after two months everyone was everyone who was still there was brought back and, but then like the new company, they, you know, of course people kind of expected and thought like things would go back to the way it was, but they needed to make a profit and the situation really deteriorated for me. I was really unhappy. That's when I got an opportunity to take a part-time teaching job, which was like a good substantial enough chunk of income where I just said, fuck it. I quit and went, became a freelance teacher for like five years after that. But, um, but yeah, and, and then after that time, that really changed the landscape of, of, of foreign people in Japan. That's that's when being an English teacher wasn't really a status symbol anymore, you know, because the stigma of like that bankruptcy, if you think about it, that was like 15 years ago. So before that point, people in their 20s or teens or whatever thought of English teachers as kind of a high status from like this 80s 90s it had been going down since the 80s like you talk to Japanese like foreign people who were there in the 80s they were like motherfucker I was <laughs> they used to talk so crazy I used to get ten thousand dollars like basically a hundred bucks ten thousand yeah a hundred bucks an hour just for doing nothing just for showing up like you know and then they look you don't know and, and now I'm that old guy like you don't know what it was like when we were punky but but I mean that's kind of what it was so um yeah so like a lot of those I don't even know what the fuck happened to those career kind of people like but you know it's life man people bounce back they find a like like Jurassic Park says life finds a way you know <laughs> um and and I think you know people just like with this corona situation too i'm very optimistic people will find a way it seems dark it seems hopeless people will find a way life finds a way humanity finds a way to power through you don't know how many times in my short life how many times i've heard that this is the end of days that everything's going down we're still here we're gonna be here everything's gonna be okay you know, and the, when when the Lehman collapse happened in 2008, everyone thought the sky was falling. It will be okay. You will be fine, is what I want to say. Um, leave on a positive note. And um, after that point, yeah, Japan went through a very much transition period. And um, the status of the English teacher, the ease to come to Japan, you know, the the income level of incoming English teachers, you know, dropped, I would say, uh, I'd say about 20% for incoming English teachers dropped, you know, um, yeah, there was a 20% drop in salary for income, incoming English teachers because the demand wasn't there. The supply wasn't there. The business model had to change. You know, a lot of things had to change. So, 
it was interesting really really interesting point in history um and yeah 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 yeah. so i'm just gonna leave it there if you have any more questions about that time just let me know uh i got that was, I'm, I'm happy i got that whole fucking story out i almost finished my wine I, i'm gonna just i'm gonna leave the wine there too there's a i should start drinking from the bottle at this point because i gotta fucking work tomorrow i'm kind of fucking drunk <laughs> i told you like i drink two glasses of wine at home and i'm just like fucking and buzzed so i'm just gonna leave it there um thanks for listening you know hopefully you got some a better picture of life in Japan from this. I had fun telling it. I'm looking forward to playing this back for myself uh, on my commute after I upload it. So, all right, y'all, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, Hit me up if you have any more questions or want me to expand on anything else. And I'll holler at you next time. Peace.